Hello, and welcome to Bard Talk. I'm your host, Josh, and this week, I'm going to talk about winning the lottery. (laughs) No, I didn't win the lottery. Um, Generally, I consider the lottery a scam. In all honesty, I think if you look at most data and reports, it's kind of like a unfair social poor tax. In 2017, Americans spent a staggering $71.8 billion on lottery tickets. That's like $285 per adult in in America. That's ridiculous. I mean, if you think about it, it's not quite a dollar a day, but it's damn close. And that's only gone up. Uh, and according to a CNB, CNBC study, in 2019, Americans spent over $1,000 a year on lottery tickets. And that's, of course, including scratch-offs and all of the, uh, the smaller games. But really, honestly... Um, if I was going to play the lottery, which, you know, on occasion I do, um, we have a pick five in Pennsylvania and it doesn't offer you a stupid amount. It's like anywhere from $150,000 to sometimes over a million, but rarely in all, most people, when they say, if I won the lottery, it's usually some F you number. It's it's the Powerball. It's the Mega Millions. It's the one everybody dreams of. You know, buying a, a $2 ticket at a store, matching numbers, and finding out you're a 100 millionaire or a 200 millionaire. Or, yeah, I mean, gosh, it's, it's almost hit a billion dollars, I think, a couple times. Offices everywhere play. You know, people buy into group pools and, and they spend... $10 a person with a group of 50 people and somebody goes out and buys a hundred tickets and they sit there praying that they're going to get a piece of the jackpot. But I mean, like I said, it's kind of all fictitious. We all know at this point that like a lot of the, the winners are already people that have large sums of money. Rarely does it go to anybody in, in a developing or needy type community. It's, it's sad. I, I remember when I was a kid, I think it got up to a hundred million and it may have been the first time it hit that kind of stupid number. And it was some guy in South Carolina that owned a construction business and had like a net worth of 29 million. So, I mean, I don't know. He was probably going to get there one day anyways, but is it defeatist? Um, am I saying it's rigged? No, I think you have a chance, but I think you have a greater chance of getting struck by lightning getting bitten by a shark. Um, I mean, insert your euphemism. That said, that that hurdle overcome, that, that PSA on how dangerous gambling in the lottery is, who the hell doesn't love a good daydream about what they do? About exactly what they do. And you know, I've I've had this conversation with multiple people. I've come up with multiple answers. And through the years, my answers changed dramatically each time. Um, I think overall, my answer today, if asked, if I, if I had FU lottery money. So let's, let's start off by saying that like you win in the ranges of one of the larger jackpots, but not like a stupid amount of money. So let's just go with $100 million dollars. It's not really that much money these days. It's so stupid to say that. It's 2021 and $100 million isn't the kind of FU money it was in 1998 or 2001 for that matter, which is a crying shame, but it is what it is. 
So if I won $100 million, what exactly would I do? Um, so I, I think if I went back in the years past, I had this idea and, and I'm going to, I'm going to tell you, this is, this is why I'll never win the lottery. This nefarious idea of mine is I would buy like the skinniest row home I could in, in some hipster neighborhood, like some just dilapidated falling down building. I'd fix it up and I would turn it into a pizza joint, a very narrow, like you walk in and if two of your friends put their arms out, you could touch the walls. You know what I'm saying? Like that kind of narrow shotgun style building. And I'd put a pizza joint in there with just a counter, no tables, no tables at all. Um, I would have no to go boxes, <laughs> all of my pizzas. Um, I would make with the freshest ingredients. Like I literally would spend incredible amounts of money to like truck in Fiji water and use only Fiji water for the dough. All of my dough would sit for 24 hours just fermenting and building these huge like bubbly air pockets. They would have exotic seasonings in the dough. Um, and of course a plain dough for people that enjoy that sort of thing. Uh, the, the ingredients, I would buy them from the most local Italian meat market I could find. Just fresh prosciutto and pepperoni and ricotta and all kinds of amazing cheeses and seasonings. I wanted to make sure that like this is going to be the best pizza you've ever eaten in your life. I, I, I mean, the sauce, the sauce would be homemade every day. I would make giant pots of it. And it would be from fresh, ripe plum tomatoes. And all of my pies, regardless of toppings, $15. $15. Bucks. I don't care what's on it. But, like, the caveat would be, like, I wouldn't have pizza boxes. You'd have to bring your own. Um, I might have a table or two inside, but I'd offer no silverware. There'd be no drinks. It would be bring your own drink type thing. Just to make this, like, super like hip wild type thing and i would just refuse people at random too like somebody would come in and be like yeah um can i get a large pepperoni and i'd say no no for no reason no they'd be like well why i just, I, I don't i don't know i just don't i don't want to make you a pizza and and there'd be a big sign on the front like we have the right to refuse service to anybody for any reason whatsoever and I just would, too. I would just, like, somebody would come, and I just would be like, nah, you know what? I gotta make four pizzas, and that's that's about what I'm gonna make right now. So, like, you could come back in an hour, and maybe I'd consider it. But, like, right now, no. And I would do stupid stuff like that. And I would do it for, like, one year. One whole year where I'd run this shop with no pizza boxes, like, two or three tables... Uh, no plates. I would just come out with like a tray, the pizza on the tray, and I'd put it on their table. And I guess I could really add insult to injury and make sure I bought tables that were just the size of my large pizza trays. So there wasn't even room for you to bring your own plates. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would be like that. Um, and then, <laughs> and then at like on the nose after one year, 
that night, I'd, I'd, I'd close up shop, I'd turn all the lights off, and I would just move everything out. I would just pull everything out of the pizza shop, um, I'd pull a sign down, and I would just disappear. And you're probably wondering, like, what? Why? Why? I mean, first of all, you're probably like, oh, well, that wouldn't be successful. You know it would. Come on. You know it would. You know if I opened up a pizza joint that was really eccentric like that in the middle of a hipster neighborhood and it was really good, it was really damn good pizza, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt I'd be successful. I mean, I don't need to make money anyways, right? Like, I won the lottery. Who cares? But that year, one year to date, exactly, shut everything up, pull up the signs, and then just sell the building dirt cheap. Like, just to break even. And people forever would walk around and they'd be like, Man, do you remember De Pepe's Pizza? That place was awesome, but it was so quirky. Yeah, I went in there one time and the, the guy wouldn't even make my pizza. I, I'm telling you, it, it is. It would be the greatest joke ever. It'd be amazing. And people would forever remember that pizza place. I, like 20 years from now people will be like dude I kind of missed De Pepe's pizza like <laughs> but on a serious note that's always been the joke I tell people whenever they ask me well what would you do if you won the lottery um, in all seriousness I, I I think there's a couple things that I would like to do with that kind of FU money um, the first thing I would do is I'd hire a lawyer and an accountant like immediately immediately put both of those two on retainer because winning uh, a large sum of money like that if you just first of all you can't walk into a bank and say yeah i'd like to deposit a uh, hundred million dollars please they're gonna look at you like you're, you're like you're stupid and they're gonna tell you flat out like um no you don't have that kind of account that kind of money doesn't go into like your local uh, credit union or bank like that kind of money has to be dealt with differently because it's going to be used the bank is going to use that for loans they're going to use that in their institution it, it would grow if you walked into a local credit union and deposited a hundred million dollars you would own that credit union like they don't have that kind of money they, they they wouldn't know what to do with that kind of money. You would be giving them a flush of cash to use for advertising and and they'd have to make you a partner. So they probably wouldn't accept it because they don't want to give over that much control to anybody. Um, some of your larger banks would probably be like, oh, yes, sir, yes, mm-hmm, and then rob you blind. So no, you can't just go and put that into the bank. Um, I, I would definitely hire an accountant. I would hire a lawyer. Uh, and the first thing I would do is I would start an LLC. And you're probably wondering, like, well, why would you start an LLC? Because uh, depending on the tax rates of the state that I'm in, I, I don't want to pay that. And you're like, oh, my God, you're just like every other rich person. Uh, duh. Okay, first, first rule of being a rich person is you don't talk about this kind of stuff because it's skeevy. It's sleazy, slimeball stuff. But if you don't do it, you're not going to be a rich person for very long. So point one is you make an LLC. You put all of that money into the LLC. And then 
you use that money as business expenses. Why? Because business expenses aren't taxed. If you just spend that money, you have to pay taxes on that money coming in, going out, you're going to pay taxes on the interest, you're going to pay taxes on everything you buy. You know, it just, you're going to be out of that money faster than you got into it. So, an LLC. Um, My LLC would be a not-for-profit, and there's a big distinction there, a not-for-profit charity. And now you're going, okay, this is how he's going to keep most of his money. And, and you may have said all, but it's going to be most, not all. The government's going to get their fair share no matter what you do. But the difference between the government getting, oh, say, 80% and getting, like, uh, 20% is the next steps that you take. So my LLC, not-for-profit institution, would be a mortgage company. And you're already thinking to yourself, like, wait, so this guy was just telling me I can't put my money in a bank because um, he would they would use it for loans so he's gonna put his money and create a bank and use it for loans yeah duh like banking institutions are wealthy wealthy institutions for a reason banking's good money my mortgage company would specifically target and this is why it's a not-for-profit low-income people I would specifically create a market for people in the poverty line looking to own property. Majoritively, I'm going to target minorities. And now you're like, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. No, 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 calm down. I, honest to God, like this is really altruism. I'm not being facetious. I'm not being... Um, mean in any kind of way it's just that if you look into the fha programs and i've talked about it the fha programs the traditional mortgages owned by freddie may and or fannie may and freddie mac um usda loans if you look into any of your mortgage lenders they all have inherently racist practices so if you're a low-income white individual they are going to try to get you better rates. They're not great rates, but better rates than somebody who is a minority. They're going to ask for less money down. They're going to work with you to get you a loan. If you are a minority, you're going to have to put more money down. You're going to have to have better credit. You're going to have to have better access to funds. Like it's, It is an inherently racist system, and my mortgage lending company would work to overturn that. So my not-for-profit business would offer more agreeable terms. Like if you buy a house through the FHA program or a traditional conventional loan, you have to meet certain qualifiers. My qualifiers would be a lot lower. I'd work with people who have subprime credit. So subprime credit is credit that is less than 700 Hell, I mean, maybe even less than 680. I'd probably work with people around 650. Because let's be honest, if you're a low-income person, you're probably not going to have spot-on credit. Um, I'm not going to qualify for any type of federal insurance against my mortgage. Again, the federal government insures conventional mortgages, FHA, USDA loans. So if those loans go in the default, the, the companies that lend the money still get to collect that money. They just collected off the federal government. Isn't that some S? Um, 
in addition to that, that risk that I'm going to take in a lot of companies, if you don't come up with 20% down, they charge you a PMI and PMI is basically an insurance bond. They take out against the mortgage that you pay for. So again, if you default on the mortgage, then they're going to collect the full amount of the mortgage uh, because you paid the insurance. I'm not going to have any of that kind of stuff. I know it's a big risk, but I'm willing to take half of that money. So $50 million, we'll just say. And that's going to be bookmarked for my company. And I'm going to make mortgages. I'm going to offer mortgages like this. Are my mortgages going to be limited? Yeah, I'm not going to be able to offer hundreds of millions of mortgages at first. I don't expect hundreds of million people to want to use my company at first. But it's definitely going to start out with offering people of low income, small mortgages to buy houses. Now, the thing is, I'm also, I'm sorry if you're hearing my voice tone chitch, uh, switch. My nose is itchy for some reason. And I keep scratching it. I sound like Screech. Um, so one of the things that I think is that there are a lot of people that want to buy inner city homes at cheaper prices. And that's what's really going to help my little LLC here because buying a house, for instance, um, in the city of Reading or Allentown might only cost you a hundred thousand dollars, might only cost you 80 or $60,000. There's a lot of houses in Detroit you can buy for like $23,000 and mortgage companies don't want to touch these because their, their assumption is that people in this income bracket aren't going to be able to pay it back or they're going to lose their job or something's going to happen because economically these areas aren't developed. I'm going to take that risk. I'm, I'm willing to, to put some of this money out there to, to do a social experiment and to kind of document the fact that these people who are in lower income brackets, who work retail jobs, who work service industry jobs, who don't make a month enough money to afford $1,200 a month rents can in fact afford a $600 mortgage, a 15 year or 30 year fixed interest rate. And I'm not going to charge exuberant interest rates because it's my own institution. You know, I'll have, I'll have bars, you know, if your credit's lower, your interest is going to be a little higher. If your if your credit is, is still subprime, but it's not, it's not too shoddy. You have a good record. You know, my mortgage company is going to look at the totality of things. Do you own a car? Um, have you paid off a car? You know, how many credit cards do you have? What kind of credit card debt do you have? Do you pay on your insurances? Do you have insurances on things? What's your income? Is your income steady? You know, like, I don't care if you only make $12 an hour working at the local Wally World. If you've done that for, for five or six years and you're a relatively decent employer, I don't see an issue. You know, people that are struggling that just don't have the skill sets or opportunities or know how to get higher paying jobs shouldn't be discriminated against. So those are the kind of people that I'm going to target for these loans. I'm sure I'm going to have people that come to the squirrel f or the bird feeder and they're going to try to pick it clean. They're going to try to get mortgages, you know, even though they don't need to go through my company because my company may be easier. I, you know, I, that's that's an issue that I'm going to have to deal with. And I'm going to have to hire staff who are, you know, licensed insurance. I mean, not insurance, licensed mortgage brokers 
who can say like, listen, you'd qualify for this loan and this loan would benefit you better. And th these loans are targeted for people who can't get this kind of loan. And there's going to be a rejection on the top end. And people are going to think that's ridiculous because those I'm more likely to get a return on my mortgages for this. You know, I, I don't I don't know what to say because it's going to be a twofold thing for every mortgage that I issue that doesn't get paid back or that people default on. I'm also going to own a bunch of any inner city homes, homes with undesirable property values, sub one hundred thousand dollar homes. That's stuff that I can turn around, make improvements on and then sell. And I can either offer mortgages for those properties myself. I can I can offer them as rental properties like the world would kind of be my oyster. Yes, huge risk on my part, huge, huge risk. But in honesty, I don't see how this would fail. I think giving people who need opportunities, giving offering somebody a bootstrap to help pull themselves off. I've, I've talked about it ad nauseum that I think that the, the door, the path out of extreme poverty is property ownership. It's owning a legacy, a wealth legacy that you can pass on and offering that to people in, in, you know, in affected areas, areas that, that nobody would touch with a mortgage, you know, blacked out, red out areas where Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac won't give you a loan. FHA won't give you a loan. The federal government won't insure the loan. You know, people just don't have the ability to save up $50,000 in their lifetime and buy their house that they live in their city row home. I'm going to offer that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm not going to prey on people. That's not the, the, that would not be my intended purpose. Um, obviously, if somebody comes and gets a mortgage from me and they default and the default isn't really for any great reason, um, I'm going to assume the property. That's just the way that works. You know, I can't be buying people houses. It's going to have to be a business, but it's going to be within terms that you can work with. If you get laid off from your job, you know, there's going to be ways we can work around that. I, I'm going to make this a compassion first type mortgage company. I'm also not going to play with just my own chips because I think that's stupid. So if I take $50 million to start this company, I'm going to take money and I'm going to go get investors. I'm going to go get people with like minds, people with, with compassionate hearts that want to see this succeed as much as I do. And I'm going to get investors and they're going to buy into this company and it's going to have a board. I'm not going to say I'm going to sell shares per se, but the group investors that are going to get into this, that are going to help provide the seed money, they're going to have a say and they're going to be as involved as they want to be. And I'm going to make it very clear that the goal of this is not to make more money. This is a not for profit. The, the idea is to cover expenses, to create jobs for people, to get into the banking institutions, to get into lending practices. Um, I'd like to have, you know, if it gets successful, I'd like to have um, like like an educational wing to this where like maybe maybe as a low income family, you get one of my mortgages and your wife or the husband or the wife wife or you know whatever combination of sexual orientations you are 
maybe you have a mind that's good at finances and maybe you want to get into banking you absolutely could apply for if there was an opening a job and and have some type of education that i would provide to to help bring you into this market so now i would have people who got loans from my programs with firsthand experience of how it worked helping people get loans from my program i mean win 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 and you know if your your thought process is well you're you're trusting scorpions not to sting you listen I'm expecting people to default on their mortgages. I'm expecting to be burned. I'm expecting people to do really well. I have faith in humanity that this would be a huge success and that I would help a lot of people achieve their goals of buying houses and owning legacy wealth. And, and you know, maybe they pass those homes and those properties on to their children. And maybe their children outright sell it. Maybe they don't want anything to do with it. Um, you know, I could buy back those homes and then offer them to other people. You know, I don't really want to get into the renting business because I feel that renting is a little bit more dangerous, a little bit more shady. Um, I don't think in most inner cities that the property owners really control their properties well. Um, and there's just too many things, too many variables going on. I really want to strictly maintain a mortgage company, but you know, for the time being, if I could help somebody rent to own, absolutely. I would definitely do rent to own type programs where they pay a certain amount in rent. And then a little bit over that, that overage goes into an escrow account until they afford a down payment and qualify or while they're repairing their credit or while they're waiting for a bankruptcy to be discharged. Like there'd be a couple qualifiers to get into a rent to own program that I'd absolutely entertain. Again, the purpose would not be to make money with this. The purpose would be to use this to help people. If I found myself the benefactor of a huge lottery sum I, listen, I don't need a hundred million dollars. I couldn't spend a hundred million dollars if I in my lifetime if I wanted to. I just don't have those goals. You know, I'd want to help people, and this is how I would help people. I would give people that were written off, that felt they were otherwise undeserving of of a path out of their poverty, and I'd give it to them. I'd give them the joys of home home ownership, and and listen. I realize from a financial standpoint, this would be a nightmare. I would hire as many people as I could who knew as much as they could about it, and I would just oversee it. You know, um, I'd want to see the program get success. I know people would buy homes for thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars and that those homes would need roofs and windows and those proje- those projects are expensive. Um, if you put new windows, a new roof, a new boiler, uh, new plumbing, a new electricity in some of these homes, the totals of the repairs would be greater than the value of the homes themselves. I get that. Truly, I do understand that. But, but if you offer people these opportunities, if you give people the satisfaction of owning a home, the pride and ownership of owning that piece of clay... I think people are resourceful. I think people will find where I think people, maybe some of those people have the ability to do windows 
or or that's what they work in. They're they're a contractor. They do siding. They can put siding under the house. They can do windows and roofs, or they know people who can. I, you know, I, again, I think it comes down to my faith in humanity that if you just give people a, some amount of hope to improve their situation, they're going to take that and run with it. We've just created such a negative stereotype because there isn't hope in a lot of these situations. You know, why, why would somebody want to improve their neighborhood um, with the skills that they own when all they ever can do is rent? They're not given the opportunity to have a return on their investment. I'm offering people these returns. And I'd be willing to bet that a lot of these red areas, a lot of these subprime areas, because of these programs, would begin to excel. And the property values would go up. And sooner or later, the value of the property would exceed the repair cost. And these people would make money. And and sure, maybe a lot of people would buy a home at fifty. $40,000 with a really uh, unbelievable deal on a mortgage like this and they would fix it up and flip it. Good. 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 Man, if I could help other people become millionaires, goals. Goals and a half. But I don't think that that kind of dream should be reserved for people who just have, you know, a $100,000 seed money in their their back pocket that are doing this because their parents helped them or their privilege helped them or whatever. Like, again, I want to help people who cannot in this climate own property, cannot do to things, you know, their socioeconomic background, the, the politics that play into their race or creed or national origin, the, the politics that play into their sexual identity, their chosen profession, their inability to have the access to higher paying jobs. Like those are the kind of people that I'd want to help with this company. And now you're probably wondering like, oh, okay, well, that's only half your money. What are you going to do with the other half? Well, I'll be honest, a lot of it's going to go to taxes. Just is what it is. But then, you know, for what I would do for myself, man, you know, I think that's so much harder to define. And that changes so often. Um, I, I really, truly believe if I had that kind of money, uh, I would do a lot of traveling. I would do a ton of traveling. I mean, after I set up my little LLC, after I set up my little not-for-profit company, after I got all of those hurdles and I employed as many people as I could to get that ball rolling, yes, I would still oversee everything. But man, I would probably jet off to Europe. I would, I would, after I got my group of investors and my seed money and I convinced people this was a good idea and I, and I made the best company I could and I got that ball rolling, ah, God, would it be awesome to just go to Europe and like live in Italy for a month, live in Scotland for a month, live in, uh, in France, you know, live that whole expat writer life. I'd probably write. I'd go get therapy. Oh man. I'd see so many therapists, like, just to get a nice sampling. Um, I don't think I would buy property for myself right away, to be honest. Like, of course, the obvious answer is, with all my wanting to help, you know, people I don't even know, of course I'd help my family out. Of course I'd, I'd set my mom up in, in a great nursing home that could take care of her from beginning to end, which... 
I don't think the end's far away, sad to say, but I would help my brother out, get him started with whatever it is he wanted to go. I, I mean, I wouldn't give him enough money that he could do nothing. I'd give him enough money that he could do anything. And I think I know what he'd do. I think he'd start a motorcycle dealership or a boat dealership. And I'd be, I'd be happy to seed that kind of money. I'd help my sister out. Of course, I'd do all that kind of stuff. But for me, I, I, I'm not attached to physical things. I really wouldn't want to own a boatload of cars or a yacht or this or that. I really would want to own a bunch of experiences. I'd want to go to India. I'd want to go uh, down that, that hippie trail that, that goes through India and ends up in Kathmandu. I'd want to see Sri Lanka. I'd want to go to to Pine Island, to Australia, um, to see all these places where all of these creatures that I really love, you know, reptiles and amphibians and, and, and insects and things of that nature, like, I'd want to see all that kind of stuff. Um, I'd want to I'd wanna go to Israel. I'd want to go walk around Jerusalem and see the origin of the Judeo-Christian belief. I'd want to go visit a monastery in Tibet. I would love to go see these Holy Grail type places and the religions that found them. I mean, I know it's kind of taboo for me to want to go to Mecca. Um, I know that's not for me, but that's not to say I wouldn't want to see it. Like, I'd, I'd want to visit these places. Um, I think eventually I'd wind up in America I know, like, that probably gets a lot of people going, ooh, why? Like, um, I don't know. Uh, I think this place holds a lot of opportunity. And it's just a place that I couldn't imagine not calling home. Like, I, I talk a lot about, like, going to Costa Rica or going to Argentina or going somewhere where the weather's tropical and warm and nice all the time. But I think we all know deep down inside there's just a part of me that too much wants to be involved in his community and wants to help his community. And going to a place like Costa Rica, where it's safe for Americans, expat Americans, um, where tourists visit by the droves, I, I just don't know, like, effectually, if I went there, I, I, I don't know that I could help the area. And I feel like I would mostly be a target because they would know that I was, I was wealthy. And I just, I don't know. I, I really think I'd probably wind up with maybe a few small homes scattered, like maybe a home in Texas, maybe a home in Cali, maybe a home in Florida, but small homes, not big homes, not mansions. You know, I, I'll be honest, if anything, my home in Texas would have a pole barn full of motorcycles and cars that that that's probably where you know i'd spend my money or you know like a, a huge greenhouse full of plants and animals like but i i'm not interested truly i'm not interested in a giant mansion i'm not interested in a giant yacht i i have no i just i physical things would take such a back seat and listen, there's a good chance that my whole mortgage company idea uh, would fail big time. Um, and I would have to close it down. And in that instance, like, you know, I'd have to take whatever money I'd have left, put it into some sort of bond or stock or fund, 
like a mutual fund that I would have access to at least the interest on it. And, and I'd have to live pretty humbly. And I mean, humbly, humbly is in, you know, on less than $200,000 a year to try to make it stretch and last. And even with that, I'd probably find myself still back at work, still trying to work as a firefighter EMT, like, cause that passion's never going to go away. No matter how entertained I am or how well-traveled I am, there's a part of me that's always going to want to ride the big red trucks. I don't, I don't see that going away until I retire. I don't see myself not wanting to find education to get my degree in emergency management, um, to, to try to take on roles as an educator, to, to get my, my certification as a, a structural uh, firefighter instructor, to teach classes of probies coming in, like the lessons that I learned. And hey, this is how you need to think out of a box. And this is command structure. And these are all the things that you need to do to have a successful, a successful incident that, that nobody gets hurt at. Like I, I absolutely see myself in the later stages becoming some type of educator, probably a fire educator. I think that would be my goal. Um, definitely, definitely a little side projects too. Uh, I love cycling. I think cycling is one of those things. It provides, uh, access to, um, nature. It provides access to, um, physical fitness that a lot of people are denied. You know, there are a lot of people who can't run, who can't go to the gym and lift heavy weights, but maybe I could, you know, own a bike shop that provides them access to cycles made for their condition or regular cycles. You know, just because your knees can't take running, if you're properly fitted for a bike, man, have at it. People cycle well into their twilight years. And I'd love to be a part of offering people cycles and programs to get them fit. I mean, that's how I did it. I bought a bike three years ago um, when I was up around 280 pounds. And, you know, I never, I haven't hit my goal weight yet, but I've lost at least 60 pounds. And my physical fitness, my ability to endure running and cycling long distances is great. And I I don't ever want to lose that skill. Plus, I love cycling. I mean, seeing nature, cycling around, I'm a road cyclist, but seeing seeing spring blossom seeing the decay of fall like i posted on my tiktok and my twitter and my instagram pictures of my rides and i get comments all the time like wow i wish i could be there with you like wow i'd love to do that and uh, so of course like you know cycling is going to be a part of my forever life and it would be a part of my life if i was a hundred millionaire um and and i can't help but think of ways it would be great to have a medium to give people access to these kind of things, to run cycling classes, to have people who are as passionate as I am about road cycling, teach people how to road cycle, teach people how to ride a bike, you know, do host group rides, hope host little charity races. Like, of course, I, it goes without saying that would be in the, the long run game plan. Um, that's what I would do. If if I won a significant amount of money in the lottery, those things would all alternate. You know, so if I didn't win a hundred million dollars and I won 
a million dollars. Obviously, opening a mortgage company isn't going to happen. You know, so maybe I would go that route. Maybe I would just um, get my education, get my paramedic, get my structural fire instructor uh, certification, and I would teach. Probably, probably the route I would go. Probably still look to get a job on an engine, like still do those very things. The more money I'd make, the the bigger my dreams would get. So, you know, from one million to five million, now maybe I'm opening up that bike shop. Maybe I'm I'm trying to, to collect used or unused bikes and resell them, fix them up, have programs for kids and adults alike to teach them the joys of cycling, getting into fitness and offering programs like rent-a-bike programs where I, I, I rent bikes to low-income families at, at affordable rates or, you know, even just having used bikes that people can come in and buy and working with them to get the proper setup and that, you know, that might be my next tier of things. And then like, you know, I think I'm always going to work in a way that affects my community. No matter how much money I had, no matter how much access to, to leveling up, be it education, be it financial stability, I, I would want to leave this earth knowing that I made it a better place than when I got here. And that wouldn't change just because I, I had FU money. And you know, maybe someday it'll happen. Uh, maybe the lottery isn't the thing. Maybe the, the pitiful amount of stocks I own someday will skyrocket. You never know. Um, I've tried to set myself up for success. I'm gonna be going through some big changes soon um, that I think in the long run are gonna benefit me greatly. And, and that's the goal. The goal is always to push yourself forward. And for every step that you gain, make sure that you're looking back with an arm extended to help the next person reach their next level. So I know it's a little bit of a short one, 45 minutes instead of your usual hour. Um, but you know, what would you do? What would you do if you won the lottery? What would you do if a fictitious large sum of money fell into your lap? and the world was truly your oyster that you had enough money you could do anything or nothing all at one like what do, what would be your goals what, what are some of the things that motivate you please tell me um come talk to me on twitter instagram snapchat all of those things are linked i'm the most approachable guy in the world have at it feel free and uh, until next week um i think i'm actually coming up on my my one year with this thing and I don't know how much longer I'm going to go. I mean, obviously, I started a second season. I got a website. I got some things in place that make this a lot of fun. Um, but maybe I'm just in a weird headspace and I'm trying to think of the best uses of my time. I don't know. Uh, I would love some more interaction. Like I said, please share this. Like it. Uh, give it four stars on Apple or five stars or whatever rating you seem fit like i really kind of need these metrics to start turning around i need to start growing my audience i need to start making this kind of worth my time so please if you enjoy this please spread this please make this a daily thing um listen to it on any of the platforms that you enjoy 
and and just like it on those platforms share it um, send it to your friends send it to anybody that you feel would benefit and enjoy this thing because I need to start seeing metrics that there's growth and I feel just it's kind of stagnant right now so help 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 me out would you please until then you know uh, be dangerous win medals and I'll see you next week <laughs>